0: You're in a fenestration conversation, where Canada's window and door industry talks about the things that matter to our businesses. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery.
1: Hi, everybody. Great talk today with Al Yagalis. He's the technical director of Fenestration Canada, and I invited him on the podcast to uh, get some more information about where things are at with the NRCan Market transformation initiative, uh, the so called roadmap to get our industry to new standards of energy performance for 2030. Uh, it felt like there had been uh, quite a quiet time there from uh, NRCAN on this project, which seemed to have a lot of, uh, a lot of momentum and a lot of things going on uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, Al and I get into that and uh, an explanation for that, actually, uh, and, uh, and get some update from Al, who is sitting on one of the expert groups uh, that's covering windows and doors, the fenestration industry, uh, for the market transformation initiative. So Al has lots of inside information. He has lots of insights and knowledge of uh, just what this project is and what it's going to mean for our uh, window and door manufacturers across the country. And uh, just uh, it is great at communicating all of these things uh, to us. So thanks to Al for joining us and hope you enjoy my conversation with Al Yugalis from Fenestration Canada. Hi, everybody. We're here with Al Yugalis, the technical director for Fenestration Canada. Hi, Al. How's it going?
2: Uh good, nice
1: to chat with you again, patrick yeah, yeah good to good to good to get together virtually as uh, as as all we can do these days. Um, i uh, you know for those of you i i I think everybody in the industry knows uh, who you are, Al by now, but uh, I'll just by way of introduction say that uh, you know you were at r d h uh, in BC there for uh, seven years, a, a building science expert with a a real focus on fenestration and uh, and then I guess you've been in the role at Fenestration Canada for what about a year
2: now, or maybe a little over? Yes, a... it's been about a year. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, but about, about a year now. How's that going? How are you finding it's it? Going well. Yeah. yeah. Good. It's good. been a
2: it's been a very interesting
0: role and a a good opportunity to you know share a lot of what I've learned over the years with Fenestration Canada members in various settings. So uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun to be on the team yeah. and to uh, make a contribution. You know, to the industry through through this organization.
1: Tell us, tell us a bit about your background. How how, how did you get into the, the 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 window in the building science business?
2: Uh you know, like everyone else, you fall into it and you never get out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, way back when I studied architecture, and um, as it happens, the first job I found out of university was uh, not with not in an architect's firm and in fact I never actually worked in an architectural firm Um, and back in the uh, late 70s early 80s uh, it seems like uh, you know that that worked out quite well Uh, and then uh, basically eventually I found uh, I found myself I decided to go back to school for a year and uh, did some studies in uh, Vancouver and uh You know, needed to get back into the work world and uh, ended up taking a part time job with a a Skylight manufacturer, uh, Columbia Skylights, and uh, basically started a, you know, 30 year career in the fenestration industry. So (laughs) I worked for a while uh, for uh, uh, Columbia, then Artec, Artec glazing contractors, advanced glazing systems, And uh, along the way, I heard that there was going to be uh, the the, uh, glazing contractors association of BC. We're going to hire a a spec writer to write a glazing systems specifications manual. And I had been looking to get into technical writing for a while. I was sort of in a career change mode prior to this glazing industry. I'd been sort of looking for a way to be more involved in writing and communications. An education and not project management work, which frankly, I didn't enjoy at all. And uh, so I, I contacted the spec writer to see if I could work for him. And I offered to just work uh, to help him out, you know, pro bono, just because I had been in the industry. And now I felt I'd understood the glazing industry after a whole less than five years in it, five years or so, uh, you know, I had the confidence. And uh he contacted the association about who is this guy. He wrote me this letter. And when they find out I was you know, offering to work on it, they fired him and hired me. So, <laughs> so that was an interesting start. So I spent several years working on the first glazing systems specifications manual for the BC Glazing Contractors Association. And uh, covered off the major sections of work, you know, curtain wall, storefront, uh, residential windows, skylights, uh, you know, wrote uh, draft specifications and everything else. And honestly, I regard that project as my uh, education, you know, and my, in my introduction to the technical side of the industry. I realized that half of what they taught me on the job was wrong. I realized that nobody had read the code in the, in the industry. Nobody had read the standards. Nobody knew any of the regulations that were supposed to apply to our products. And at that time, the energy issues were just emerging. You know, they weren't really codified yet. They weren't really, they were, Vancouver was starting to regulate energy performance in large buildings. So it, it, was, it was relatively new and um that experience was really amazing because that laid the foundation for everything that followed Mm -hmm. you know because i had taken several years i was working part-time drafting just to bring cash flow in while you know in between draws for the manual um but during that time i took the time to you know study all these ama standards and glazing manuals you know the blazing contractors gave me boxes of all their technical documents and i worked my way through most of them and that really was gave me a foundation and a perspective within which to add more knowledge as i went on you know from that point on i was always kind of monitoring what's going on in the regulation side of the industry with standards codes and things like that and uh, and that that ended up becoming my specialty over the years so well that's that's that's
1: interesting, and it's 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 a it's a neat background because uh, you know I know that glazing specifications manual uh, was a bit of a watershed really for 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 the Canadian industry. It's and it's something that's still in use today, uh, and uh, I mean I'm sure there's been lots of changes, uh, but uh, it's you know that that was that was a, a sort of a big thing I think for everybody to have a, a Canadian made uh, group of standards. Not that there wasn't you know something before, but uh, I, I think this one was much more uh, how should i put it targeted for use of people in the industry w- would you say i'm right about that? that 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 it was it was focused on the on the actual practitioners of the trades uh, a yeah. little more than some of the other stuff um you
0: know yeah yes and no i think it was actually <clears throat> you know i don't think people appreciated its true value later years later one of the people in the window industry told me that you know what i think that manual should be should have been Used as the major training source for anyone who's involved in estimating, uh, you know, and contract management, you know, project management. But basically, just to give you that grounding of the regulatory framework in which we all work, the the manual was very good for providing that kind of information. We were hoping that spec writers would make more use of the specifications. We for years, we all complained about the crappy specifications in the window industry, and frankly, I'm I'm sad that after 30 years, not much has changed. Mm. We're still complaining about crappy specifications, <laughs> but uh, you know, I made a real effort in that in that document to uh, put language into specifications that would actually address the concerns of the industry, that would actually have the provisions that the industry wanted to see in commercial fenestration specs at the time and uh we just found it really difficult to to get through the specification side of the industry and and it's basically the low paid drudge work that nobody wants to do that they contract out to people who don't have the time to research stuff and it's cheaper to keep recycling old specs than it is to put some thought into doing it right Mm -hmm. and uh that that's by and large you know my Mm -hmm. view of, of where the specification writing you know industry seems to be with respect to the uh, which I think largely sums up the experience of many people in our industry on the commercial side especially and also residential
1: yeah that
0: that that is probably getting better on the large projects that now have enclosure consultants doing performance mock-ups on large buildings and they're not relying so much on just the submittal of old documents and old test reports and they're more interested in how things are actually going to perform on this project. We're going to test the hell out of it before we build anything. So I, I should pull back a little bit in that general critique that in some ways things have really improved, Yeah. you know, but often the specs that we get from architects reflect uh, a very limited knowledge of the industry. And if they haven't been vetted by, you know, knowledgeable enclosure consultants, they tend to be, the kind of specs we'd rather not see. Uh, sometimes you get professionals involved to understand the industry, and those specs are a whole order of magnitude better. So, right. Well, all
1: we can do as an industry is is continue to uh, I think put people like you out there who have that combination of the the knowledge and the ability to communicate. Uh, that 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 seems to be the the tough uh, combination to find. Uh, and uh, and so I think uh, Fenestration Canada is lucky to have you in this. This is a good thing that uh, that uh, you can be out there, sort of talking about some of this stuff and and getting people aware uh, of, of, of of what they should be doing, and not just on the specification side, but but everything generally. And to that end, um, I wanted to I wanted to talk today about uh, about something that uh, was a big deal. I I think uh, I I think continues to be a big deal. Will be a big deal going forward. Um, you know. Canada signed on to the Paris Accords for Climate Change back in 2015. Um, the, uh, the, the, it was, I think, in 2017 that uh, uh, Debbie Scharf, uh, the former uh, director, appeared at uh, the uh, Halifax uh, Fenestration Canada AGM and told everybody that uh, NRCan, Natural Resources Canada, was going to launch this market transformation initiative um, where they were going to try uh, to do what the government could do to move uh, the industry towards higher performing uh, fenestration products. Obviously, this was a, an effort to reduce people's use of energy heating their houses. Uh, that was identified as a major contributor to climate change, burning the fossil fuels that you need to make the energy to heat the houses. Um, and then, uh, so then, a big round of consultations ensued. Uh, the roadmap came out in uh, 2018. At least that's what I have in my notes. Uh, that was. Uh, presented at the first uh, first ministers meeting that year, um, and then another big round of consultations and 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 things, and they, they set up a structure that I think you're going to talk about, Al. Um, and then and then, from my perspective, and that doesn't uh, I, I'm I'm not I'm not on the ground floor with this stuff like you are. Uh, uh, it, it, it's gone a little bit quiet, so I thought it was I thought it was a great chance to 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 get you on here and, and just update us on 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 where things are now and I guess what's happened since that sort of last big release of the roadmap and 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 the fanfare that 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 ensued around that. What I guess start out Al telling us tell tell us what the what your involvement is with this market transformation initiative. Um, and uh, well actually maybe start even before that and tell us just what it is and what they're trying to do.
0: Sure. So as you introduced it, you know this this market transformation roadmap is in the context of Canada's twenty twenty sorry Canada's uh, commitments to the Paris Climate Accords mm-hmm. and federal government plans to help tr- you know uh, reduce uh, our carbon emissions in Canada. So that's the the large overall project, and basically the federal, provincial, and tor- territorial ministers. Um, responsible for construction uh, were tackling that issue from a national perspective uh, you know to help the construction industry reduce their carbon emissions and so uh, one of the areas that they decided to focus on was residential housing you know most canadians actually live in small buildings single family homes row houses duplexes small multifamilies. But you know, basically, most of us live in Part Nine buildings, on smaller buildings, uh, and so they felt that this was an important area to tackle. And when they looked at small buildings, they identified three areas that were really critical to carbon intensity. One of them was space heating. What fuels do we use to heat our homes, and are those you know fuels and or energy sources you know very carbon intensive or less carbon intensive? If we can reduce the energy use of homes We're going to reduce our carbon footprint. So they tackled uh, space heating, you know, furnaces, boilers, and things like that. They tackled hot water heating. That's another area that uses a lot of energy. And they tackled windows because when it comes to the enclosure of the home, the weakest element currently is the windows. You know, you can have an R12, R15, R20 wall, but you're looking at an R2 window, you know, and so it doesn't take a lot of windows to suddenly turn the effective, you know, R value of a house, you know, which might have R20 walls, but, you know, if the windows are sort of, uh, you know, base code or lower performance, you know, that effective R20 might only become a, you know, an R10, you know, or R8 or something because of all the heat through through the windows. So any improvement you can make in improving window performance is going to reduce the heat loss out of the home, and coupled with other strategies that are already, you know, coming in building codes, higher insulation levels, and so on. Um, uh, you know, you can incrementally add those things in the code. But when it comes to window performance, you know, you need to somehow um, help the industry go from an R three window, I think, I think the from about an R three three and a half window to an R seven window. I think that's roughly what the 2020 goals translate to. And so uh, basically they want to end up making windows twice as good as they were when they started in 2017. And hoping that, and of course, realizing that, uh, you know, you can't just transform the window industry overnight. You can't just go from one code change to the next and do this. So they launched this market transformation roadmap to facilitate the deployment of new technologies, of improved technologies for space heating, for water heating, and for windows. So, uh, of course, our industry, fenestration, you know, Canada and and our fenestration industry were affected by the windows portion of the market transformation roadmap. So it's aimed at the performance of windows, and they haven't mentioned glass doors and doors explicitly. And that's one thing we'll want them to clarify, but, uh, and clearly there's a lot more windows in a home than there are doors, but, uh, but basically the focus has been on windows and essentially bringing them down to, from a, a, a metric U value of 1.6 down to a metric value of 0. 0.8. Right. Essentially making them twice as good over a period that was stretching, let's say if they started in 2017, if we give them that, to 2030, that would be a, a what, a, you know, 13 year, 12 year process. Uh, from where we're at today, it's kind of a, you know, nine to 10 year process. And uh, already I think the industry's made some progress on that roadmap, But um, but essentially they announced aspirational goals. So what they did in 2017, when they first started talking about this is they said, here's where we're at and we're announcing transformational goals for space heating, for water heating, and in our case for windows. And they announced that we're gonna go from a U-factor of 1.6, down to a U-factor of 1.2, down to a U-factor of 0.8, hopefully, aspirationally, by 2030. And the goal was that by 2030, all windows in Canada, wherever you would go to buy windows from Home Depot to whatever window supplier you dealt with, You'd be buying windows at the level of roughly 0.8 in metric uh, unit U values. That's the aspirational goal that they announced. And um, at first, of course, we were all kind of gobsmacked because uh, 0.8 is pretty hard to reach. You know, European Passivhaus products claim to be certified at a starting point of 0.8 but uh, their evaluation system is different than ours. And so their 0.8 turns into a 0.9 using our North American boundary conditions. And, uh, and so under our met- evaluation method, it looked like the aspirational goal was gonna be more aggressive even than the passive house level that we've all heard about from Europe. So uh, that caused quite a bit of consternation you know, as to whether it was even doable. And so I think it remains to be seen whether we can actually hit that defined 0.8 target with the kinds of window products we have today. Vertical sliders, horizontal sliders, casement awning, you know, we have all these operating types and we have all these frame materials from vinyl, fiberglass, wood, um, not so much aluminum and residential buildings in in part nine buildings, but you're basically looking at these non-metal windows primarily, and in some of those materials, uh, like wood or metal, it's a lot more challenging to reach these targets than it is with our less conductive materials like uh, fiberglass and, and vinyl. Um, so anyway, this this was the challenge for the industry and um, and the process that they undertook. So let's fast forward 2018. They put out an update publication. They announced some R&D goals. They also announced some um, uh, deployment initiatives, things that might be able to help facilitate this transformation. And then we had radio silence for a year or two, right? We didn't hear much of what was going on. Uh, during that time, it seems that they were uh, reorganizing organizationally a little bit, how they worked at NRCan, other government departments. And in order to completely, uh, to be able to proceed effectively in this direction, there was some internal reorganization that needed to take place and they were about to sort of launch the next step when an election was called. And so that election kind of uh, put everything on hold and, you know, um, you know, I think the election was, if my memory serves correctly, was called in the fall. Anyway, just kind of just push things into the future a little bit. So that process was restarted uh, about, um, uh, you know, they—they—I they, guess you could say they con—they contacted industry about a restart on this project last summer. Okay. We we uh, we had uh, early meetings uh, in July and August to kind of uh, you know prepare us for what was coming, and they announced the structure that they were going to use to manage this process going forward.
1: And that's when we got the creation of the separate expert groups, uh, dealing with the different areas. And then your involvement came in as the
0: chair of the fenestration expert group. Is that right? Yeah, so so the uh, they created three experts teams. Okay. And so the Windows team was called the Windows experts team. And that was a bit of a different framework than they had anticipated originally. So, so basically it was kind of like a reset uh, that what they were going to do You know, back in 2018, they were they were uh, consulting with the industry about the potential for regulation, to use regulation to force the industry to move along at a certain level. They decided not to regulate at this time, but instead to work with industry and kind of monitor how the industry was doing in adjusting to things like the Energy Star goals and, and so on. Uh, and, and sort of uh, kind of keeping regulation in reserve that if it's necessary at some point they'll use it but they're not focusing on regulation. So instead what they want the experts teams to do is to identify the uh, obstacles, the roadblocks that make it difficult for the industry to you know, be able to roll out very high performance products in the future. But also they wanna be able to monitor the progress the industry is making and they want to kind of understand from coast to coast, how does this work? You know, do we have uniform capacity everywhere? Are there some regions where things are moving along more quickly than others? You know, and and at this point, uh, you know, we're in this phase where the Windows experts team is is there primarily to, as I say, monitor industry products, progress, provide a forum, for consultations so that NRCan can look to feedback from this Windows expert group. Uh, and at this time, the, the what they're looking for from us is, you know, what's where are we at? You know, we they issued reports in 27 and 2018 with a scorecard of how the industry was doing in five categories. And they had these yellow, green, and red lights indicating yeah good to go or yellow. we're not quite there yet red definitely uh, no progress made you know we're we're not we haven't gotten very far on that score and And they wanted our windows expert team uh, for the first few months of our operation to update that because they want to publish a report for twenty twenty one to the energy and Mines minister conference of where are these industries at on the roadmap? What has happened since twenty eighteen? Have there been any changes? To 2021 so we've spent several months as our windows experts team uh, discussing that and, and uh, looking at how can we get a handle on where the industry's at how can we score it and update that scorecard for for 2021 that's what we've been working on my role on this process is i'm a co-chair with rob singlehurst at natural resources canada so each expert team has two co-chairs, one from industry, one from NRCan. And the idea is that the co-chairs are gonna rotate each year. So whoever is the co-chair in one year, you know, may not be the co-chair next year. Uh, they wanna keep it fresh. The same with these Windows expert teams. I think they're gonna to want to keep them in operation, possibly for the duration of this 10-year roadmap program, process. So again, they don't wanna burn people out. Uh, you know, they want to have a framework where they're continuing to engage with the industry actively, but they don't want to uh, you know, wear out the volunteers that are participating in this process.
1: Right, right, that's, that's wise. Uh, I remember those uh, charts with the, uh, the little uh, colored uh, uh, dots on them. Um, I remember, uh, I, I think there was only one or two uh, red dots uh have uh i'm trying to i I can't remember off the top of my head where the red dots were but um what has have any of those colors changed i guess is the is the question al as 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 where, where what has the product uh progress looked like since uh since
0: they started all of this well when we started looking at how do we track that progress we felt that just the one little table with you know, just three rows in it and uh, and colored dots, which was basically, uh, you know, here's where we add in, in here's where we add in uh, uh, their aspirational goal for 2020, uh, which was basically now is now the code level in Canada, the 2025 goal, which is the uh, based on the current Energy Star level, and the 2030 goal, which is the 0.8 products, which essentially didn't exist at the time. Um, the question is, you know, have we made any progress along that? Um, and we discovered that, in fact, we had made some progress. There were actually a uh, not a large number, but somewhere in the you know teens and twenties in terms of number of products, product lines, not just individual products, but product lines in the Energy Star database at that level. So, um, you know, we, we we looked into the Energy Star database. Uh, I did some analysis specifically. For ENERCAN, uh, but it showed that we had actually uh, had a surprisingly large proportion of the Canadian industry at the Ener- having products in the Energy Star database, which suggests that the majority of manufacturers have products at the Energy Star label uh, level already. Mm. They might not be flying off the shelves, they might not be building or selling a lot of them, but we have the designs, we have the technology to do the 2020 Energy Star. Uh, And it was surprising that uh, even a a majority of those manufacturers had products at the ENERGY STAR most efficient level, which is kind of halfway between ENERGY STAR and the aspirational goal. That was very encouraging to see. And and of course, a handful of product lines at the 0.8 level. So it's clear that the industry is, definitely farther ahead than it was in 2018 or 2017 in terms of the numbers of products at these higher performance levels. And um, we've had some indicators from other folks as well. You know, the um, Margaret Webb, who heads up the, uh, formerly the industry uh, glass, sorry, IGMA.
1: FG, FGIA. Insulating
0: man. Glass Manufacturers Alliance, right? Uh, and now part of FGIA, the Fenestration and Glazing Industry Alliance. According to Mark Webb, uh, something like 88% of the insulating glass fabricators certifications in Canada are for triple glazed product, Mm. right? So that suggests that the majority of people making insulating glass in Canada, at least those who certify their thermal performance by means of quality uh, audits and so on, that, you know, 88% of them uh, certified triple glazed units. Hmm. Now, the triple glazed certification covers their doubles, but they they actually went to the trouble of already certifying to be able to make triple glazed units. So, uh, again, that doesn't mean that you can just go tr- order a triple glazed unit from anyone, anytime, and just get it like that. Uh, you know, for some shops, it may, but but it does suggest that the industry is looking ahead. I think the announcement of these twenty thirty goals has basically given the industry a roadmap of what the future holds. That they know the government is intending to get there, you know, if by regulation if necessary, but hopefully without regulation. But by knowing this, then you know people are taking the steps now to think ahead. And I suspect that manufacturers are probably, when, it, when they have a, tire, a, a tired product line that's maybe 10, 15 years old and it's time to kind of update it for the market, uh, uh, you know, maybe to be more competitive in some ways, I think manufacturers are now starting to take that opportunity to think about not just the, uh, you know, the, the, the characteristics that relate to sales and marketability, but they're also taken into account the future of energy performance, and are probably making decisions to make that product take a, a, as big a step as possible on that roadmap in its next iteration. So, uh, so I suspect that's what's happening. I've certainly heard some very interesting stories from some companies uh, that have taken a jump. And it, when they refresh their casement window product line, they went all the way to the twenty thirty goal. You know, they have a product that actually with uh, with, a, with, a, with a decent sealed unit like a triple with two lowe coatings and uh, you know a gas fill were able to hit like you know really close to that 0.8 level. It was maybe 0.85 or something, but it was I mean damn close. So it's interesting too, that it turns out that product line isn't really much different or much more expensive to manufacture than their old product line. It's just shaped differently. And it can take triple glazed units, which the old line couldn't. And so just by tweaking the frame design and the frame geometry, uh, you know, they have a product line that performs essentially at the 2030 level. And it's actually, because if it's got some improvements that are popular with the public, it's outselling their old product line. As a double glazed product, And here's a product that's going to have, it's going to be viable, you know, 10 years from now, because, you know, just the manufacturer decided to see how far can I push my design? I got to to replace this product line anyway. Why not make it the best it can be thermally, right? And so it's that kind of thinking that can be triggered when somebody understands the roadmap is there. This is where they want us to get to. I got a product line that needs an update, you know, uh, do, you know, do I, do I really need an obtainium to reach that? Or can I actually play with the design, the geometry, work with my extruder, you know, whoever design, you know, pushes your frames for you and work with them. They'll help, help you to optimize the design for, for the best thermal performance. And sometimes it doesn't cost much more money to get that extra level of performance. The biggest amount of money will be in the glass for most people, not in the framing system. Uh, if you're redesigning it anyway, right? Yeah. So the I think that's the beauty of the roadmap approach is that it's it's kind of like the BC Step Code. It telegraphs to you, here's what's coming, mm-hmm. and it gives the industry time to you know uh, you know ad- adapt when you feel it's appropriate when it, when it makes sense as a business to do it rather than using heavy-handed regulations to force you to buy to make products nobody wants to buy. So I think I think that's how they want the process to work, and uh, uh, you know, I and, and at this point, our role as a Windows experts team is to, as I say, they want us to identify obstacles, roadblocks, challenges, point out opportunities, you know, that where the government might be able to remove some obstacles uh, or invest some money, perhaps we might suggest that they do something to fix some problems or to ease some bottlenecks, but essentially. The, the idea is to kind of, uh, they want our feedback as an industry uh, to help us all get there in a way that is not detrimental to the industry and embarrassing to the government, you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: What, what are some of the measures that you guys have been talking about, Al, outside of, uh, you know, straight up code changes or, or, or regulations, which are, are provincial anyways, uh, but I mean, you know, guided by the NBC, but, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the the what 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 are some of the other measures they've contemplated and and I'll and and I'll, I'll I'll tell you in advance kind of where my thinking has been on this is you know obviously the COVID thing has created this 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 big cry for stimulus of of one kind or another going forward the government's already said that infrastructure spending is 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 one thing they want to focus on course, when they say infrastructure, they usually don't mean residential houses, but you know, it's, it's generally money available for, for, for people to, to do construction. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, it, it, are we looking at, are we looking at a rebate program of some kind? Uh, is that, is that one of the tools in the toolkit?
0: You know, we, we haven't, dis- we haven't discussed anything like that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had, I think, four meetings so far of the Windows experts team. And we've essentially, our job one was to, to tackle the, um, updating the scorecards, updating the information that's going to be in the 2021 report. 2021 report. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what's really occupied us now for several meetings. Mm-hmm. We did discuss labeling uh, at one meeting, and you know, the, um, of course, everyone in the ENERGY STAR program has certified labeling processes in place. Right. But um, a lot of the industry, anyone who's not an energy star, is not under any obligation to label. And unfortunately, our building codes don't even have a mandatory labeling requirement. You know, they, they regulate a U-value, uh, but they don't tell you how you comply with that U-value. And so there are some provinces, most provinces don't even have a any regulation within the province that mandates the labeling of products with energy performance ratings. Now, technically it's a requirement of the A440.2 standard. If you're gonna evaluate your thermal performance, you have to label it, you're supposed to label it, but it's not really, um, there's no clear line of enforcement on that uh, because building codes are enforced at the municipal level and the actual building code does not have any language in it that says, this is how you're gonna comply. So, that's kind of a, a it's, it's kind of a gap, let's say. So NRCan did have a, a discussion with our experts team about labeling, uh, but it was more of a general discussion on on, on it. It's a topic we'll return to in, in a future meeting uh, because the industry, I think our industry participants have some clear ideas of what, what they don't want to see in a labeling program. Right. Essentially, the industry doesn't want to add new labels on top of what's already done. Right. You know, I think the industry kind of feels that we already have, the the Energy Star program has a labeling scheme in place that, you know, probably the majority of manufacturers, at least those in the Energy Star program are using. Don't add more burden of labeling to this group. It's a good labeling system. It's verified by third parties, certification organizations. It tells you everything you need to know the problem is that not everyone's doing it. And so, you know, I think what what the consensus was from the discussions in our group was that if they're gonna get into labeling, it's more important to get everyone labeling the same way so you can compare apples to apples wherever you are in Canada. And so the public can actually know what the energy performance of their products is. But, you know, I don't think our industry wanted to see a new type of label kind of imposed on everybody. You know that's different from what's already being done, but uh, again, it it was kind of a discussion that was more general and right. and not specific. At this point, there's no uh, there's no actions arising. There's no uh, there's no definite uh, commitment to pursue anything in that area. And I must say that the the working relationship here with NRCan is very respectful. You know. They are looking at us as wind industry experts and are very appreciative of the time the experts group is putting into uh, working with them. And, um, and I think the, the expert team, we have some defined, uh, I, I would say tasks before us in terms of reviewing other work that was in those reports that we didn't get around to discussing yet. But there's also opportunity for our group to also initiate topics the, you know, areas that we think are important. And so it's gonna be interesting to see how, as we continue uh, these consultations with NRCan is, is how the, um, you know, the concerns of our industry are going to be conveyed, uh, you know, to, to NRCan, uh, you know, separately from their agenda that they have for the, uh, for the Windows experts team.
1: Well, I think I think NRCan's probably on the right track there with, with asking at least asking questions about labeling, um, right? Because um, the 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 enforcement the enforcement part of this is that I think one of the big sticking points maybe maybe it gets a red dot uh, uh, as far as as far as building inspectors being able to identify that product that's being put in as compliant. And 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 you know stopping that from happening if it's not happening I mean this is you know ultimately if 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 the big goal of the project is going to be successful that's probably the kind of thing that's going to need to happen uh, and and the the labeling is key to that um, but not everybody is an Energy Star um, if the labeling is key in order to get the enforcement that you need and but people don't want a new label, which I totally understand because that's a whole new, a whole new regime for, for everyone to figure out and, and to, add, to add complexity and add things to your window that might put you in a non-compliant area and no one wants that. Does this, are we then looking at a future where you basically have to be Energy Star, where Energy Star becomes the standard?
0: I, I don't think so. I don't think so because Energy Star targets performance levels mm-hmm. and it keeps defining itself with uh, saying that we want the top 20% of the market to fit in that category. So it's never going to include everybody. Okay. Right. So by definition, it won't include everybody, but I think the, um, uh, you know, essentially the Energy Star label is, is certified by an independent certification organization right and it has a consistent format like your u value is always in this box and your solar heat gain is in that box and your energy rating is in that box mm-hmm. and i think you know what the industry would like to see is like that's a great format just just make that the standard format instead of having anyone come up with any format they want whether you're in
1: or not yeah okay
0: right so, yeah. uh, I mean, but again, I shouldn't say the industry wants because we haven't really addressed it as in the industry. Right. Um, you know, I guess I, I haven't worked for, you know, a, an Energy Star certifying manufacturer in the past. I know that in, in, in that role, that's what I would have wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Just make everybody use the same label. It's well-defined, it's recognized across Canada, across North America, right? It's, uh, you know, the Star label is essentially the same format as the NFRC label, and just use that same box. You can have a different certifier's logo on it, but, you know, so in a way, it's not rocket science. And, and I think there's a simplicity to that idea. But again, I can't say that the industry has spoken to say that. We haven't had that discussion fully within the Windows Experts team. Yeah. Um, but I think... Um, um, but I think in contrast to a new label, just sticking with what's working, you know, is is what uh, is, I think, would be the sentiment of people in the industry.
1: Is it your sense that there's anybody outside of Energy Star who isn't participating in the program, who's nevertheless making uh, uh, very high performing products that uh, have you seen anything like
0: that? Well, I, you know. There are a couple of Passive House products in the database, but I know that there are, there's, I think, six Passive House manufacturers in BC alone. Right. There's probably at least 10 in Canada. And uh, when I looked into the database back in June, I could only find, you know, one or two products, product lines. Again, not products, product lines. That would be fixed and operable windows both, right? Right. So there was only one or two product lines at that time, there might be a few more, but I think people who are catering to let's say the passive house market might not see a big advantage in being in the Energy Star database. You know, They might find that the passive house branding is what's helping them market their product more strongly than the Energy Star brand would. So, um, so I think, and, and there are provinces where there is no regulation. But well, actually, all the, the only provinces with a regulation on labeling are Ontario and BC. Mm. And so, um, so there are provinces without any labeling regulation. And if somebody has a high performance product that they're marketing successfully without the Energy Star brand, they don't need to be in the Energy Star database. But I would suspect there would be very few people in that category. I think most manufacturers would you know, appreciate that there is value in being in ENERGY STAR because everybody's heard of ENERGY STAR. Everybody knows ENERGY STAR is supposed to be good. The public by and large doesn't know much about Passive House. You know, if you go to your neighbor and say, hey, you ever heard of Passive House? They say, no, what's that? You know, I mean, they, 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 don't, they may or they may not, but they probably don't. So I think for the general public at large, the ENERGY STAR brand is probably a lot more recognizable but for the people that are building at the passive house level, uh, Energy Star just isn't good enough, and they're not interested in Energy Star, and it's the passive house qualification that means a lot more to them.
1: I I, I, I remain interested in this question of, of of just how the the Market Transformation Initiative is 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 going to do this without as you say the the, the without necessarily the the regulations and the code changes, and I I think it's my sense is it's possible. Um, it, it's just a, it's just a question of, 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 of how and what, what approaches they're going to take, because, well, tell me if you agree with me, Al, I mean, I mean, all of these, when, when you say, what's the barrier, right? What's the barrier? What's the barrier? Well, the barriers cost, the barriers cost, the, bar- the barriers is, is, is what people will pay for in their houses, right? So, so what's your sense of, of, and I don't, I realize no decision has been made regarding rebates, but I mean, I mean, what are the what are the tactics that are being discussed in your group or maybe even larger within NRCan that might get around this cost
0: question? So we haven't discussed this at NRCan or at the Windows Experts team. Like I said, we've had about four meetings. That. We haven't discussed that at yeah. this time. Um, I'll give you my personal view on two aspects to this yeah. question okay yeah. personal view one is that it's very hard for the government to ask you to make a product that there's no market for that nobody wants to buy right and so and this is where you know you could threaten regulation but at some point that becomes very politically unpopular and so you know it's it's um you know uh, I, th- I think the government would rather do it some other way. So what's going to transform the market? What's going to make that more expensive window affordable? Um, if you had asked me that question, let's say two years ago, uh, three years ago, maybe four years ago, I would have said, you know, the government's going to have to step in and either provide some kind of funding support to help manufacturers, uh, you know, to help cover the cost of R&D and testing to introduce new product lines for which there is no market yet. But also, it's, that's only part of the problem. And then do, do you want people to carry inventory they can't sell? I mean, that's not useful either. So then the other thing is that you introduce other market incentives to, to for people to buy those products. But I think there's actually a more powerful tool in the government's disposal that we didn't have several years ago. And, uh, and that is... The idea of a tiered code or a step code. Mm. And what we've what we are what I think we can learn from British Columbia is that the step code is actually more successful in transforming the market and making expensive windows affordable to builders than any rebate program could. Oh. What because what what happens under the step code is once you get beyond the baby steps, which, you know, the baby steps were you build the same house you built under the code, but you hire an energy modeler to model your house and give its energy report. You're not building to a target, but you're getting the report done and in BC and you get an air tightness test. Again, they're not going to punish you for having lousy air leak. They just want you to get it tested and this was the baby the training wheels right yeah start working with an energy advisor start learning to you know what is what what do i do how do i what what what, what's this all about an energy report right you've got to start somewhere and then of course uh and then you you know then you get to the next step where there's actually a bump in performance but then you're you're looking at steps the higher steps three four five and now you're designing in bc anyway you're designing the building to an energy target for the whole building. Right. So the government isn't telling you what insulation to put in the walls, right? There's the base code, you can build to the base code, but if you're gonna build to the performance level, you now have a performance target. How much energy do you use for heating? You know How efficient is your building envelope? In other words, they want you to design the shell of the building such that most of the energy that it just u- loses less energy. Right. So you don't want a building that's poorly insulated, but has a mile of photovoltaics sitting beside it, you know, square mile of photovoltaics <laughs> powering this, you know, inefficient <laughs> building, right? They want the building enclosure itself to be much more efficient. So they've given performance metrics that will ensure a better shell for the building, which includes windows, and then also measures its its um, thermal demand and and, and energy, the efficiency of your mechanical systems and so on. So there are defined metrics for that. And and you're working now with an energy modeler who does a model of the house you're proposing to build. And what builders are finding is that um, to, to build cost effectively at those steps it act, you actually save money on the whole house when you spend more on windows, uh-huh. right? Yeah. In other yeah, words, I mean. you might not have to add a bunch of extra insulation to your roof. You right. know, you might not have to do this. You might not have to put in, uh, you know, uh, some expensive system for uh, associated with heating or, or heat recovery or other kind of tools. And here, I, you know, I don't have enough, I'm a Windows guy, I don't have enough knowledge of this area to talk about the mechanical system and the uh, other aspects of this. But what we, what we find is that, what we find is that it becomes cost effective to the builder to put in better windows. Under today's code, it isn't. Because it tells you, this is what your wall insulation is. That's what your roof insulation is. That's what you're doing here, here, here. It's all prescriptive. Right. So why would I want to spend another thousand bucks or 1500 bucks on better windows, right? right? What's the benefit to me or to the home buyer? But when you spend that extra money on the windows and you save eight, ten, fifteen thousand dollars somewhere else, right? Maybe you're spending 5,000 more for the windows but you're saving a bigger amount in other areas the whole cost, the whole value proposition changes, Yeah. right? And the folks, I've noticed that, uh, I took an interesting workshop online with the folks at Building Knowledge in Ontario, and and they're showing builders that we can help you to build more economically under SB12 with an energy model, with an energy model and an air tightness test, and we'll help you pass that test will help you to do all that, but you can actually uh, build more cost effectively. And when you do it, that path will typically include higher performance windows because when you're building to the performance of the whole house, you don't have to put in a bunch of things the base code requires when you improve the things that really count. And windows are one of the things that really count. So, that's the kind of thing that is going to happen with the tiered code. The tiered code is trying to do what the step code did. And, and this, now we come to part two. How does the step code actually work? What the step code is, is that the government basically says, <laughs> we have, <laughs> you could call it, we have dynamite for blasting rocks here. Okay. And municipalities, you can, you can choose to use the dynamite whenever you want. You know, you can use the step code whenever you want. Any municipality can choose to adopt it. So there's a base code. But municipalities have their own carbon emission targets. They have other things that drive them to try to uh, reduce their carbon emissions. And so at some point, municipalities may decide to jump a step of the code higher. Right. And one municipality will do it here. Another municipality will do it there. And so what happens is the step code says, these are the steps that we're going to take to get to 2030. Uh, By the way, you guys can start jumping ahead whenever you want. Right. Okay. So initially everybody's on the same level, but a municipality jumps here a municipality jumps there. And every time they do that, they create a localized pocket of demand. Right. All of a sudden now there's a bunch of builders in this municipality have to learn how to build to that higher step. They're gonna scramble to work with some new consultants. They're gonna start figuring out what's the cost effective way to build at that level. They're gonna start looking for higher performance products. Not enough of a demand to transform the market in that municipality, but when it happens there, and then there, and then there, and then this one jumps two steps ahead. What starts happening is there starts become this growing demand for products. And then manufacturers are seeing this growing demand and they start introducing new products to meet it. And so that's how the step code is intended to work. You basically allow the municipalities to move at their own pace. Some are gonna be more aggressive. Some are gonna take their time. Some are just gonna wait until they're forced to go up to the next higher code level. But what that does is it's creating sort of an uncontrolled, but it's kind of, it gets its own momentum that people start going ahead of base code because they have other incentives for doing so. And the suppliers to that industry then start seeing the signals in the marketplace. And when they see the signals that people actually want this stuff, then the ones who are ready have a product for it. Others say, okay, now's the time. I can see what's happening here. I can see the trend. Now it's time to pull the trigger. And others might just wait until you know, the last minute before they they do so, and so I think the the market transformation roadmap is kind of the big picture of where we want to go, but how we get there. Um, I think the building codes are going to be a significant driver if they're implemented effectively, if they're enforced effectively. Right. But basically, in British Columbia, the demand for you could say triple glazed and higher performing windows has been growing. And I think we're seeing manufacturers respond to that demand with new products. And, and it's not uh, hitting the industry like a hammer. Yeah. And nobody's forcing you to build a product you don't wanna build. People are voluntarily choosing to invest in ways that make sense to them. Yeah. So I think my sense is that that's what the future is gonna look like for the rest of Canada. Yeah, my sense is that people are going to understand that working with energy advisors, uh, they're going to be your friends, not your enemies. They're going to help you to build cost effectively to higher performance levels on a performance-based code, and it's going to be more cost-effective for them to build on the performance path and the prescriptive path. You know, when they when they realize that, yeah. and I think that's what's going to actually create business conditions that allow manufacturers to introduce these higher performance products and have a successful business. They actually have a return on their investment. So I think that's the big picture from from 10,000 feet. And I think that's one reason that we shouldn't be afraid of this market transformation, because just like a step code is putting out its long-term goals up front. The market transformation roadmap is telling the window industry these are the long-term goals, you know, that we're going to want you to get to, and I suspect that most of the heavy lifting is going to be done through the tiered codes as they work their way through Canada. It might take us longer than 2030. I think we're off to a late start. You know, the 2020 code won't be published until you know the end of 2021. Yeah. You know, the start of 2022. By the time the provinces adopt it we'll be at 2024 maybe, you know, the big, the big provinces. And so how much, pull it, we're not gonna get to 2030 in the next five years, right? So it's probably gonna take longer than 2030 in my view. But I think uh, at this point, I don't think it's something we should be afraid of. I think what we're seeing is a national code strategy that is actually quite rational and that, that will allow us to reach those goals with a minimum of regulation. I, I, I agree, and
1: I, I think the promising, the promising signals are there, right? Like you say, uh, Margaret's already seeing uh, 80% of the, uh, of the new insulating glass certifications being triples. Uh, I was just talking to, to Andrew Dolphin of BB Glazing uh, in another podcast uh, uh, the other day, and uh, you know, he was saying the same thing that on the commercial builds, Uh, You know, it's, it's, everything's being specified for triples and, 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 this seems to be the, so, so to a certain extent, the roadmap has already done 75% of its work simply by communicating to the industry that, that this is a direction and it's a real direction. Uh, And, 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 and so everybody has, you know, they've, they've grumbled, they've made their complaints, uh, but then it's, well, here's what we have to, you know, here's, here's, here's how we have to go. And 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 so you're start, you're already seeing that, that momentum a little bit. But really to your point, Al, especially with the shift of performance path, uh, you know, performance pathways under step codes or or however provinces do it, it'll it'll be step codes, I'm I'm sure. I think that's gonna be the national model. Um the the there's a there's actually a massive opportunity there <laughs> for, for our whole industry, for the for the whole window industry. There, there there's just a great opportunity there because. Because like you say, you spend a little more money on the window and everything else in the house becomes cheaper, you know? So, you know, it's, it's the window guys running away with bags of money and everybody else, (laughs) everybody else is, is, is not so, is not so great, (laughs) but, uh, well, that's not entirely true either, but it's, it's, I, it, it just is that there is an opportunity there that, that, that I think people can recognize. So, so that's good. That's, I, I mean, you know, let's, let's hope that this, um, this market transformation can actually happen, um, you know, with, without a heavy hand and without, you know, without regulations. And I, I think at least people in Ontario will say, without really crazy market-distorting rebate programs that drive everybody, you know, insane for a while and and then suddenly go away. I mean, that 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 was the the green-on thing was 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 a, a kind of a, a study in how not to do it. So. That's uh, th- those are those are the sorts of things we're, I guess we're hoping we don't want to see. Al, I've kept you for I think about pretty close to an hour now, so uh, this has been a good conversation. Uh, I think we've uh, I think we've got, got the updates uh, updates out there. If people have questions uh, about uh, about what's going on with the initiative, um, uh, of course, right after they sign up to be Fenestration Canada members. Uh, how can they uh how can they reach you
0: <laughs> uh, you can reach me through Fanistration canada my email address isn't hard to get um I, I end up getting emails from members of the public so you know it's not uh it's not too difficult
1: you're not you're not um, you're sequestered in an ivory tower
0: uh that's right that's right that's right but you know i honestly i think i think we're we're actually today in canada in a state where we're having some uh, intelligent guidance on where to go. Good. And I think there are, are, you know, things aren't perfect. Uh, and I know there's a lot of, there was a lot of friction around the uh, public review of the 2020 requirements uh, from a lot of parties. You know, some people felt some things are going too far, too fast. There was some pushback, mandatory air tightness was dropped, and so on. But essentially, you know, um, we're headed in the right direction. And, and as I say, in the big scheme of things, I don't think uh, the government is aiming for, for you know, drastic draconian change that's harmful to the industry. And I do think that the step code approach worked out in DC and, and that is being uh, in a way um, adapted you know, in the national code as a tiered code system is, is a very intelligently crafted approach uh, and you know i think it was developed in bc with consult in consultation with builders building officials uh, architects and others it was a coalition of people involved in creating it and i think the the the, the, the rollout of the step code is, i think is showing the benefit of that kind of uh, collaboration of, among various participants in the industry to come up with something that is not uh, not, that it, not that people don't have challenges and frustrations and learning curves but by and large, it's a lot better than some kind of heavy-handed regulation, and so I don't think we should be afraid of the future. I think I think it's going to be full of opportunities for businesses, and uh, and and um, may may not be as scary as it looks. Well,
1: fingers crossed, and uh, everybody get out there and uh, price out your uh, coated glass and uh, get those frames. Uh, a little bit bigger for your for
0: your triples and uh, actually what you want is is, is smaller frames small, oh, narrower yeah. sight lines more glass right. less frame that's right? right that's correct that's so correct. so you know and t- talk to your frame suppliers about about your designs don't just go off and design it and then say this is what i want mm-hmm. ask them look is there anything we could do to make it perform better from an energy point of view in addition to these other things that i want yeah and they might get, have- get your frame designers involved because honestly uh, you know, the the larger frame suppliers for sure have the knowledge to optimize the design to get the best performance out of it. And and you'd be surprised at what a difference it makes just to change the geometry of the frame. Uh, and, and, and And, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily cost you more money. It's just putting the money in better places where it works for you. So
1: that's true, isn't it? Because if you've just been buying the same thing for years, you know, you may not even know what they've got uh, over there or what the capabilities are now at your extruder to, uh, you know, to maybe do something completely different. So that's, yeah, that's good questions to ask for sure. Al, that's been great. Thank you so much for uh, joining us and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you on in the, in the future for more updates, I hope.
0: Okay. Well, it was a pleasure talking with you, Pat. And uh,
1: until next time. Yep. till next time. Thanks so much.
0: Fenestration Conversation is a presentation of Fenestration Review Magazine and Annex Business Media.